0: Lord, would you just bless Laura? Would you take what she has prepared? Would you sharpen it? Would you uh, inspire it? Would you let the power of your Spirit flow through her and her words and into our hearts? Amen. Amen. Are you okay? Is yes. this all right? This is great. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, it is so lovely to be here with you. I'm so glad, as a family, that we've come and uh, we can be part. Um, I don't know whether they will appreciate me saying this, but we are really good friends of Ruth and Paul. We love them a lot. and they, they, you never know. They, they, they might, they might be like, no, we don't know her after the service. But hopefully, hopefully, they'll still want to be my friend. <laughs> but um, we're um, as you, as Adrian says, you're going through um, the Gospel of John. Um, the Gospel of John is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, so I'm very, very passionate about it. I'm really excited to share what I feel like God has put. on on my heart this morning. And I know that you are gearing up for a big community week, um, which is so exciting. I'm really, really excited for you guys for that. Um, so uh, why don't we jump into the text? And if you want to open your Bibles to John four, um, and I'm gonna just read the passage. i are gonna start in chapter four. And maybe if you want to just keep your Bible open, we're kind of going to go through it verse by verse, but, and I really feel like there's some really key things that um, Jesus wants to share with us, wants to teach us this morning from this passage. And it says this, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus he was baptizing, but his disciples. So they left Judea and went back back once more to Galilee. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritan. Now, context is, is everything, isn't it? If we take something out of context, we kind of can get into trouble. And this morning, I want us to look at the context as it's key. It's key in ge- giving us a greater understanding of the, pas- of the passage and revealing to us certain hidden gems. Um, and what it gives us is also a lens to see scripture in the detail on, the, on, on why it was written and who it was written for. And sometimes we come to scripture with our own world view, our own lens of how we read things. And we want it to be shaped and molded around us. But actually what we are called as disciples of Jesus is for um, to, to come under scripture. To understand why scripture was written and the time it was written in and the context it was written in. So does that sound okay? Are you with me? Yes? Yeah? I am um, a very... Uh, bubbly and outgoing person, so uh, I would love for you to give me some chat, all right, this morning, I, if, and also um, it will make me preach quicker because I know that you're getting it and that, uh, that you're with me, yes, yeah? so uh, if, if you give me a wee nod or a wee yes, huh yeah, and let that uh, inner Pentecostal uh, uh, spirit in you out this morning say yes, amen. Don't say no, (laughs) but but I'm just saying all of that is is welcome, but we're going to look at the context. So um, at the beginning of the passage, we see Jesus deciding to move from Judea to Galilee. Now, Palestine was 120 miles long from north to south, and in the north was Galilee, and in the south was Judea, where he was, and he had to move from the south to the north, and in between there led Samaria. And in this passage, John um, writes a side note, for Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Now, I have a bit of like a a problem with this because that little phrase does not quite um, kind of explain the actual depth of this this quarreling between the Samaritans and the Jews. This had been going on for 400 years. And they, um, it was still as resentful and as bitter as ever. And the quickest route um, to to go from from Judea to Galilee is through Samaria, but Jews hated the Samaritans so much that they would go a longer route around, which takes twice as long, just so that they could avoid Samaria, just so they could avoid Samaritans in general. They just didn't want to be, even didn't want even risk being around them or being near them. Now, you could argue that Jesus just wanted to take the quickest route. But what do we know about Jesus? Jesus was never in a rush. Sure he wasn't. Jesus was never in a rush. You think think back to the story of Jairus' daughter. There was a a daughter dying, and Jesus still didn't run, didn't rush to that. He's never in a rush, and he did everything with intent, and he did everything with purpose. So here we look at verse 6. So when the, we're, we're telling, when the Bible is telling us about Jesus' journey, there's purpose in that. There's reason behind that. And when we look at verse 6, we see Jesus. Jesus is in Samaria. So that, that's, that's big, right? That's, that's big. Then we see Jesus stop by a well, and he talks to a Samaritan. That's another that's another big thing. We've got we to gotta mark that thing. think, right, okay, he's in Samaria, he's talking to Samaritan, but then thirdly, he is speaking to a woman. The Samaritan is a woman. Now, the context of that is that women, in the, back in, in, in Jesus' time, they weren't respected, they weren't valued, they weren't seen as equal, and furthermore, rabbis were forbidden to speak to women. in in public even if they saw their wife or even if they saw their daughter they in public they weren't to acknowledge them so for Jesus to be a rabbi and to be speaking to a Samaritan to be speaking to a woman um, would be the end of his reputation but also we learn furthermore in this passage that um, from from the time of day that he sat there and he met this woman um, and from further on in their conversation, we learn that this woman was also a moral outcast of society. So for Jesus to be seen with a woman, but also a woman who was a moral outcast of society, would have been so damaging to his reputation and to who he is. Do you get that? Yeah? Yeah. Um, I read this quote um, from one of the commentaries, from, and it's called from Barclay, and it says this. To a Jew, this was an amazing story. Here was the Son of God, tired and weary and thirsty. Here was the holiest of men, listening with understanding to a woman. Here was Jesus breaking through the barriers of nationality and orthodox Jewish, Jewish custom. Here is the beginning of the universal gospel. Here is the God so loving the world, not in theory, but in action. Anybody love that? I love that. And Adrian um, was speaking last week about being boots on the ground and about getting out there. And when it comes to evangelism, it's something that really splits the room, isn't it? Um, You might be sitting here this morning and being like, yeah, let's do it, let's go, I'm with you Laura, Where can we go, let's go out to the service, and others people are like, where can I hide, I do not want to go, Um, and sometimes it comes from having terrible experiences, having experiences of people trying to evangelise to you, um, or you stepping out. Um, it comes, sometimes comes from fear or rejection, or maybe just being thrown in the deep end without any form of training or any form of equipment. And sometimes we try and excuse it with our personalities, don't we? And and I get it. People who are maybe more outgoing, who love a party, uh, find it easy to, to to chat to strangers. You know, might find it easier than somebody maybe who's a bit more timid or more introverted. But I really hope this morning, and my heart is, is that there is space for all of the above. There is space for every one of those people um, to, to evangelize. And whether you sit here today and your toes are literally curling at the thought of it, or whether you feel a passion starting to bubble up inside of you, Jesus is inviting you. To partner with him in making him known in Beaver Parish and to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to say this this morning. This is where you might fall out with me a wee bit. But alright, hopefully we can be friends again. Evangelism is not a personality trait, but it's a character trait of a disciple of Jesus. i say that again. Evangelism is not a personality trait, but a character trait of a disciple of Jesus. Our purpose as followers of Jesus is to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do the things he did. It's really simple, right? Yeah? Yet somewhere along the line, we have reduced the call on our lives to say a prayer and and modify your behavior until you get to heaven. Yeah? And I think it's because we have misunderstood what the good news of Jesus really is. Now, in the Gospels is the story of Jesus' life. But the Gospel is translated in the Greek as good news. And the good news that we often know is that Jesus came and he died and rose again so that we could be free and we could have a relationship with him. But the good news doesn't end there. And we miss the other part of the good news. And the, the, the other part of the gospel is, is that the gospel is an announcement. And the gospel is the, announce, is the announcement that the kingdom of God is here. And this announcement leads us to a different kind of living. The kingdom of God is God's reign and rule. It is the way it was intended to be right back in the Garden of Eden. The kingdom of God is the realm of where God reigns supreme and Jesus Christ is King. In this kingdom, God's authority is recognized and his will is obeyed. So I'll say that again. The kingdom of God is where God's reign and rule is the way it intended it to be. And all throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God. All of Jesus' teachings are centered around the kingdom of God. And he says this phrase, the kingdom of God is... at hand near isn't it it's here yes and Jesus is saying that it's it's here it's ready it's available for you it's it's the idea of like an apple on a tree that is ripe and it is ready to be picked yeah Are you with me yeah, yeah. but so many of us believe that we only get to experience God's kingdom when we die yeah And I think that comes from a lack of understanding that we live in this tension of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. Yes, it's here. It's ready. It's ready. It's it's available to us. But the kingdom of God is not here in full yet. And when we see it come in full is when Jesus returns. When Jesus comes back, that is when he will make all things new. And I know that it's really hard to sit in that tension of the here. The kingdom of God is here, but it's not here in full. You pray for a family member for healing and you don't see healing. You pray for that breakthrough and you still haven't seen it. And I stand here today knowing and understanding Being in that tension of believing, of believing in the here and now and believing in God's kingdom here and now, but not, but only seeing the not yet. Yeah? Do you understand? But here's where I'm at with it. Either I get to choose to lean into the not yet or either I get to choose to lean into the here and now. And in these moments, I always go back to Jesus. And when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That waiting and in that tension, when you're waiting and you're in that tension, your prayer is not in the not yet, it's in the now. It's in the your kingdom come, your will be done our prayer in Beaver Parish as it, is in, as it is in heaven. So what does the kingdom of God here actually look like? If we believe that the kingdom of God is here and it's ready for us, it's available to us, what, what does it actually look like? Now let me paint you a bit of a picture. The kingdom, when we say the kingdom of God is here, it's when the sick are healed. It's when the blind can see. It's when addictions are gone. It's when broken lives are made whole. It's when people are given a place to belong. It's when people see themselves for who they really are and not for the labels that people have told them that they are. The kingdom of heaven looks like places of division becoming places that are unified. It's when people get a second chance. It looks like family. It looks like transformation. It looks like old ruins coming a place of flourishment. In Matthew 5, verse 7, it says this, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. And look forward, Jesus says, the question questions Jesus saying, what's, what's your purpose here? What, what are you doing here? And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to what? Proclaim the good news. The good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives, recovering sight of the blind. He has sent me to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor this is the good news of the gospel are you excited yet are you afraid of evangelism now <laughs> i'll say it again evangelism isn't a personality trait it's a character trait of the disciple of jesus we proclaim the good news by knowing who we are and how we live that out day to day Something about me is that I'm, I'm a real practical girl, right? And, and I want to equip the church in ways that how, how we can actually do this practically. So I want you to stay with me. I've got five, five practical points, but we're gonna rattle three of them. Um, you're gonna be home in time for your roast dinner. Yes, yes, okay. So here is five things that I feel that we can learn from Jesus in this, in this interaction with the, Samar- the and woman. So here it is. Number one, you're taking notes. Simply go. We are not called to bring people to church, but we are called to be the church. I think somehow we've got that in reverse. Yeah? We are not called to bring people to church. We're called to go and be the church. And when we look at this passage of Jesus, it's that Jesus didn't avoid Samaria like the Jews. So, so for us, we've got to stop avoiding the places. We've got to stop avoiding the people. You've got to stop avoiding your community. You've got to go and be in the community and be with the people because what Jesus saw, Jesus saw it as an opportunity to share the gospel. He could have done the the longer route round and avoided Samaria, but he chose to go and be part of that community and to speak to the people and share the good news. And also, I love that idea of the well. The well is like a popular place, isn't it? A place of gathering, a place where people met. He went and put himself in these places of like community hubs. So for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to start putting ourselves into the community, into those community hubs, and just start even just being there. Because what, who you are and what you carry changes everything around you, changes the environment, changes the atmosphere. So just you being there in the place, in the community, changes everything. Okay, number two, form relationships. When we look at Jesus, he sat down at the well and he engaged in conversation with the woman. And again, sometimes in our evangelism strategies, we kind of miss the key points of the good news. Sometimes maybe we focus on just getting people over the line, yeah? We just focus on getting the yes. And that is great. And don't hear me wrong, it is great for people to say, to commit their lives to Jesus, but true, true discipleship is journeying journeying alongside people, isn't it? True discipleship is inviting them to be part of, of a family, of a bigger family. When Jesus died on the cross, he did it so that he could have a relationship with you and I so why do we lose that and when when we are trying to evangelize when we're trying to tell people about jesus why do we not make it relational we need to start forming relationships jesus didn't preach at her he gave her space to ask questions he asked he gave her space to converse with him and a really great place to do that is alpha I don't know if you've ever even went to an Alpha course yourself, but I would really advise you to go on an Alpha course before you invite somebody along to it so you know what you're inviting them to. But Alpha is a great space. It's just a safe environment to let people ask questions about their faith, to have a chat about Jesus, to, to, to see where, where what are, try and make sense of what is this? What does he mean by this? And, but it's an amazing place. But if we really want to show the true character of being a follower of Jesus we need to genuinely love and care for people so go and make those connections in your community begin to form relationships to partner with people and work alongside people we're not coming in to the community to take over or to gain territory we're coming in to work alongside people and to work with people. And how you do that is you form relationships. And something really practically, like if you're a mum, if there's a mum and tots on the community centre or something like that, just start just, just bringing your, your, your grandchild or your child along and start forming relationships with the mums there. Other ways of just starting form a relationship with somebody at the shop. If you're going in to buy your milk, if you're going in to buy a loaf of bread, just start chatting to the the person at the shop, um, at the checkout. Just really simple things, is form relationships. And number three, if we're going to form relationships with people, then we need to start seeing people the way Jesus sees people. So first we need to go Second, we need to form relationships. And third, we need to start asking Jesus to give us eyes the way he sees people. We need to stop seeing this divide of us and them. I love this. Um, my husband bought me this book. And it's, called, it's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And it's all about ex- extravagant hospitality. And I love I'm a feeder, all right? Anybody else in the room? I love to feed people. I love making a big, massive meal and having everybody round at my house. And I just love having chat around the table and making people just feel at home. I love it. And he, 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 he got me this book. And it says this, radically ordinary hospitality. Those he live it see strangers as neighbors and neighbors as, as the family of God. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label. They see God's image reflected in the eyes of every human being on earth. They live out radically ordinary ordinary hospitality and they see their homes not as theirs, but as a gift to use for the furtherance of the kingdom. But I love just that little bit. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label, and they see God's image reflected in their eyes on every human being. We need to start being like Jesus with the woman at the well, tearing down every barrier, tradition, custom, judgment that we have. And we need to start rubbing shoulders with people who we maybe wouldn't associate with. But we not, only need to, we not only need to do that, but we actually need to start seeing people the way God sees them. And that's not just about going past your social barrier or putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation, but actually being able to see the kingdom potential in a person and to call that out. And a really practical tip in, in this point that I would say is to be extravagant in your encouragement. Um, we, My husband and I run a, a life group, and in our life group, we're going through Philippians, and we're in, in that passage where it says, shine like stars. And we were having this conversation about how uh, in the workplace that everyone is so negative and everyone's so grumbling and everyone is out for themselves. And, they, and this one guy was saying, Do you know, like, it, it really, it, people don't encourage each other anymore. People don't support each other anymore and how we can shine like stars and how you can be different and how you can be a disciple of Jesus is by the gift of encouragement and i would say be extravagant in your encouragement start to see start to ask Jesus give me eyes to see the way you see people the way i see Ruth i see Ruth as my wise counselor she is my kind uh, my closest friend but she is a wise person she's a wise voice and i want to call that out on her i want to say ruth i see i see your wisdom you carry i'm so thankful for the wisdom in my life start saying that to the strangers on the street start seeing things in them start calling out what jesus sees in them start encouragement be extravagant in your encouragement number four almost there come on home run you still with me number four let people experience the kingdom of god rather than tell them about it start to figure out what your community needs and go and be that really practically in Matthew 25 Jesus speaks about the difference between sheep and goats you know this passage and what does he say he says For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We want to be followers of Jesus. We got to go and, and meet the needs of our community and go and do that and go and show them. Let them experience the kingdom of God. When we talked about the kingdom of God, it's when we saw transformation and how we would transform places is that we go in and we fulfill those needs and we bring life and we bring joy. And as Christians, we can bring and even um, a more even amazing thing is that we can bring creative solutions to maybe conflicts or problems or issues on, in our community because we not only have wisdom, worldly wisdom, we have heavenly wisdom. We can tap in and ask Jesus, Jesus, come and give us creative solutions for this. Come, Jesus, come and show me what this community needs in order to thrive. And we can go and be that. Your, generous, your generosity, I have said about being extravagant in your encouragement, but be extravagant in your generosity. Um, there's a story um, I absolutely love of a pastor, um, and he's called Darren, and he, he runs a, a church called Garden Church in America. And um, he uh, was standing up to preach, and he really felt like God was saying that there was a person who was struggling um, in, his, in his congregation and um, he said, he said is, there, is there a woman here, I just feel like the, that there's something that's going on with you, that Jesus wants to provide for you in some way, you're struggling and this mum came forward, single mum with three kids came forward and she said, um, I'm, I'm going to be evacuated, or evicted, not evacuated. I'm gonna be evicted from my my apartment. I can't make ends meet, I'm struggling. I'm a single mom, I've got three kids. I've got my eviction notice. And Darren turned around and said, you know what, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pass the offering plate round one more time. We've already taken an offering, but we're gonna pass the offering plate one more time. And we're gonna take an offering for this woman to help her out. And do you know what, what happened? Is when they counted the money on that offering plate? do you know how much it was? It was the exact money, the exact, right down to the very penny of what this woman owed. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? I don't know about you, but I want stories like that in my church. Because you know what, as Jesus cared for that woman at that well, he cares for that single mom who's about to to be homeless with three kids. And we need to start realizing that what Jesus cares about is something that we need to start caring about. We need to start caring about the, the single mom with the three kids. We need to start reaching into our pockets and being generous because generous, when we are generous, that is when we see the kingdom of God come. That is when this woman who was once home, who was going to be homeless now has a home, has a place of security, has a place for her kids. This is the gospel. This is the good news. So let people experience the kingdom of God. Let people experience the gospel, not just just by telling people. I love that verse, taste and see that that, that God is good. Come and taste and see that he is good. Number five. Last one. We made it. Start where you're at. OK, I, I absolutely love all the weekly events, whether it's Alpha or whether it's healing on the streets or um, what, whatever it is. I, I love all the, the weekly events. I love the big events. I love what you're about to do, this big church event where you're coming together and you want to get out into the community. But you know, one of my favorite lines of this passage is verse six and says this, Jesus, Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, oh, Lord, all that sounds really, really good. But I actually am just about keeping my head above water here. And what I would say to you is, is Jesus' words. I'll always go back to Jesus and what Jesus say. Jesus says this, it's in the message trans translation and it says as in Matthew 11, might sound very familiar, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life, I'll show you how to take a real rest, walk with me and work with me, watch how I did, learn the unforced rhythms of grace, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And in that moment, with the woman at the well, Jesus showed that woman love, dignity, care, and respect and sometimes we overcomplicate evangelism don't we sometimes we just need to start with the one sometimes you just need to start where you're at and that might be asking a coworker to go for a coffee and checking in and saying how they're doing that might be sending a friend an encouraging message and you know that they're struggling that might be babysitting or a mum friend who's feeling overwhelmed by her kids. That might be asking your neighbour, who's a widow over for dinner, because she knows she's lonely and she eats dinner every night by herself. Do not underestimate the kindness of Jesus. Be extravagant in your encouragement, be extravagant in your generosity, but be extravagant in your kindness of Jesus. Because see, the thing is, is that you might think, oh, I can't do those big things. And the big things are great. But see, if you just do the one thing and the one person, it has a ripple effect. Because if you read on in the passage in verse 42, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of that one woman's witness. And so we have to realize what the kingdom of, of God is, is that it has a ripple effect. So go after the one. Start where you are. I'm going to finish with this. And it's, it's a picture of seeds. And if you think about it, think about Jesus giving you a handful of seeds, right? You got it? Holding it in your hand. And the seeds are, are the good news. The gospel of Jesus. And what we often do and what we have a choice in doing is sometimes we just put the seeds in our pocket and we just carry them around until, until, we, we, go, until we die and we, and we go and meet Jesus in heaven. And that's, that's all. That's all we, we know we've got it. We hold it in our hand, put it in our pocket, and we just carry it around. And I actually feel like the challenge this morning is... Is that with your seeds, what are you going to do? Are you going to put them in your pocket and just carry them around? Or are you going to plant that seed somewhere? And are you going to stir that seed? And are you going to watch it grow into tenfold and multiply? That's the challenge this morning. So I'm just going to create a bit of space this morning, just for a few minutes. Just, and if you feel comfortable, I just think it would be really good if you just closed your eyes. And there's nothing special in that. It's just, sometimes it's just to, not to get distracted or not to watch what anybody else is doing. And I'm just going to say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Come. Will you come and and would you speak to us? And I want to pray for just a fresh anointing this morning, a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, just to come and to fill people, equip people to go. And I want to give people just a moment just to respond to Jesus, in their, just, just you and him. And if you have never given your life to Jesus this morning, I want to give you that opportunity right now to say, you want Jesus? I, I want you. I want that lifestyle. I want that kingdom of God lifestyle a life of transformation that transforms others' lives. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would show us what to do with our seeds, where to plant them, Word has them. And I pray over this church and I pray over this community that they would see a harvest. That they would see your kingdom come, your will be done here in Beaver Church and the Beaver community estate and the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, Amen.